ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 48 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I'm Nick Garisco, and I am back. Hakeem dropped the ball! Hakeem dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs. Who the hell is Mel Kite? They are who we thought they were. We let him off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. What the hell's going on out here? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep attriculating the ball down the field, boy. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. The Fantasy Law Guy Podcast has been dormant for the last two weeks because of a variety of personal life events here. And I do sincerely apologize to my regular listeners about that absence. And in the last three weeks, I've had two trips that have taken up Thursday all the way through Monday in two of those weeks. And one to Florida and one to Indiana. In the Indiana trip, we drove up there for a cousin's wedding. Congratulations, Matt and Starla. The day after we got back from Indiana, we moved apartment. So obviously moving all of our stuff and getting internet and all of those vendors, that was obviously chaotic and it sidelined me for a few more days. And then Rachel, my wife, she got sick. Uh, We believe it was the flu. She tested negative for COVID. She did have similar symptoms and she was hit, hit pretty hard. And I also had a lot of changes take place in terms of my job slash employment life. Believe it or not, this is not my job. I do not get paid for this at all. But yeah, my life has been crazy. I wish this was my job, but I have missed you all. And hopefully you guys and girls have missed this podcast. And I appreciate all the text messages and and messages on social media that I'm getting saying, hey, when's the pod going to be back? Hey, what happened? And I hope all of your fantasy teams have been winning in the last two weeks. And I am continuing to update, or I have been continuing to update the contextualized game logs on fantasyloguide.com so you can use that as a resource if needed. It's a great resource. You want to check out that massive document. And today I'm bringing on special guest Wade Longmire to cover some of the week nine matchups. All right, let's bring on good friend of the show and Tennessee Titans expert Wade Longmire. And we'll definitely give his Longmire locks of the week and we're going to cover the matchups from a fantasy football perspective. Now, I initially asked Wade to go through all of the Week 9 matchups with me here today, but accomplishing that in under an hour seems like an impossible task with the way that I talk and the amount of detail that we like to give on this show. Uh, plus, it just leaves no room for side discussions or elaboration of certain topics. So now we're, I'm going to cover the, noon, the eight noon games. I'm going to cover them in a separate podcast sometime this weekend getting back into the flow of things. And today, Wade and I are going to break down the afternoon slate of games, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and of course, the Titans-Bears matchup. We've got to hit the Titans with Wade. Uh, That is a noon game, and that is where we'll start. Wade, your Titans, quick summary of how everything's going so far this year. Yeah, so Nick, we were just talking before we hopped on here that, you know, uh, my family and I, we survived Hurricane Zeta in New Orleans, strongest eye to ever pass directly over the city. Luckily, I think most folks made it out okay, other than some power outages. But that hurricane and that storm is nothing compared to what the Titans have gone through on the football field in the last couple of weeks. Since we've last talked, Nick, we were on top of the world at 5-0. and We go and lose a heartbreaker against Pittsburgh at home after, you know, really getting beat uh, first half driving back just to miss a kick from Gotkowski to not send the game to overtime, and we become 5-1. and one. But not only that, Nick, as everybody knows and everybody listening wants to tell me, right, we're 5-1 and one and we let the Steelers beat us twice because somehow we went to Cincinnati last week and we did not sack Joe Burrow, the most sacked quarterback in the league heading into that game, when he was behind an entirely reserve offensive line. I, listen, I'm, let's pause on there, Nick. I think I got to get your reaction to that. I watched that game, and here's two truths. Truth number one, Joe Burrow played out of his mind. I don't know if that was his best game in the league so far, but some of the throws he made and were completed to T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, uh, especially there at the end of the game, they were doing no-look catches. If you look on the video of Twitter, the way the guys turn around, the way T. Higgins caught that ball on the sideline on third down um, is nuts. So, number one, 
credit to Joe. Number two, we didn't have a defense, right? Vrabel and John Robinson laid down the hammer if you followed Nashville news and, and cut Jonathan Joseph, who Nick was on the way out the door when we were working for the Texans seven years ago anyway. But cut Jonathan Joseph. We've signed Desmond King. We cut our long snapper. Uh, heads are rolling uh, in the Nashville area. So I, I don't know. That's the hurricane we've been through in Nashville. I'll, I'll pause and get your reaction to that before we talk Bears. Yeah, the Bengals, four of their five offensive line starters were out in that game. The Titans were obviously heavily favored. I picked the Titans to cover that game. So it was a huge disappointment, uh, not just from the betting standpoint, but also just from Tennessee. And Tennessee, they've been such an interesting team this year. I'm not just saying that. It seems like every single game either comes down to the wire or it's like a surprise. Like there hasn't been like a boring Titans game yet this season, at least that I can think of. Uh, you, you might have one that comes to mind. But, but Tennessee, almost every time I tune in on Sunday, they're doing something really interesting. And unfortunately, that was losing to the Bengals, really getting smacked by the Bengals. Joe Burrow is really starting to heat up. And he's got the supporting cast with the receivers. But he, I, I'm excited to see what he can do behind a decent offensive line. The Bengals have been one of the most banged up offensive lines in the league. And not only are they banged up, they're just not very talented at all. Like you mentioned, the Titans' defense, I mean, that has to be one of the big stories for Tennessee this year, other than all that COVID stuff that they went through. But the Titans' defense, out of all the defenses in the NFL, I would argue that the Titans are probably a top three disappointment in terms of what they have on talent. They ended up signing Clowney. I love the trade for Desmond King, but Tennessee, you know, their offense has really been carrying them. And, and wait, I got to say, I was in Nashville for that Steelers-Titans game that you referenced earlier. And we were coming back from that wedding in Indiana. We drove and we happened to hit Nashville right around kickoff. I think we checked into our hotel at noon and we got to Acme, uh, Acme Bar. I don't know the full name of it, but it's right near the stadium. It's right across the river there. Acme and Feed and Seed, a local Acme establishment. Acme Feed and Seed, and it was awesome. We loved our meal there. Uh, we ended up eating there and watching the game with Titans fans. Uh, I, I, the, the very few of them that were there, honestly. I, I mean, I'm not here to bash the Titans fan base. I know you're among that. But it is just very different than the Saints atmosphere uh, on, you know, just kind of Broadway where you're seeing – I know the Steelers do travel really well, but we were seeing just as many Steelers fans as Titans fans there. And it's just kind of sad because the Titans are pretty good. I mean, they're five and two. I mean, they're in contention for the AFC just as much as anybody other than Kansas City. And uh, yeah, but it was fun to be there. It's always fun to be in Nashville. And we really, really enjoyed Acme. It was a great atmosphere uh, for the game, even though it was a little more quiet than I'm used to in terms of being near the stadium at a sports bar. Uh, but, but yeah, we, we liked it in Nashville as we always do. Well, I mean, Nashville's always been one of the, the league's best road games. I know you've been there, but that's a recommendation to anybody, right? You know, it's an easy Southwest flight from those places. The weather is moderate. Uh, the city is booming. You get to hang out in those restaurants and those bars, which everybody loves. And uh, the secret has been, you know, for a long time that your team's probably going to win too, right? So you get that all in one road trip. That's the reason Nissan Stadium has a ton of visiting fans every game. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't hold a candle to New Orleans now that I've moved here and you see what, how black and gold the city turns every Sunday. You know, you do have visiting fans. I remember the Niners coming in for that shootout last year. They were marching down Bourbon Street and all that. It's a great trip too, but, but Nashville has that part to it from a fantasy perspective um, what I'll say is that we saw Tannehill's worst game as a Titan as a starter um, you know he, he opened the game and drove down the Bengals he threw a pick in the red zone to A.J. Brown which is one of his worst decisions on the year um, but otherwise moving forward I think you're right that offense is sporting A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, Derrick Henry and Tannehill those are top 10 options at each of their positions right now in fantasy. I think the numbers hold that out. And the way that we play defense means that we're going to be in high scoring games from here on out, right, if we're going to be competitive. So what you said, at least we're making it interesting because the Titans haven't always been interesting. Uh, so at least we draw that to it. When you look to the Bears game, I think here's the question, Nick, would you rather be a pretender on defense or a pretender on offense? Because uh, that's the matchup between these two teams. I'm not sure I can answer because I know I'm biased here. So would you rather pretend on one side of the ball or the other if you're one of those teams? No, I, you always want to pick offense in today's NFL. And I am also picking the Titans to win this game. 
The Bears have been hanging around. We just The Saints just played the Bears last week, so I got to watch that game in entirety there. And the Bears, they do hang around. They're a tough team. I wouldn't say they're a well-coached team, obviously. But Foles just kind of just does enough to make it interesting. He's not really getting blown out. Uh, their offense, one of the reasons the Titans have a big advantage in this game is because their offensive line, although – we just talked about the Bengals situation, but this is the second week in a row where they are facing an offensive line that is just decimated by injury. Cody Whitehair, the center, he has COVID, or he's on the list at least, so he's out for this game, already been ruled out. Uh, left guard, James Daniels, he's missed the last three games. He's out for the year. And right tackle Bobby Massey got hurt in, after like four snaps in that Saints game. And Jason Spriggs, the backup, came in. Well, Spriggs is out with COVID, and Massey is on short-term IR. So they're down to their third string right tackle. They're down to their second string center and left guard. So, I mean, they are just one of the most ravaged teams on the offensive line the Bears are. In terms of David Montgomery, the Titans' run defense is pretty weak, but their offensive line also not really giving him a lot to work with here. He was pretty impressive with the Saints. And I am starting him because it just seems like every week David Montgomery is an RB2. Like, that's what he is, like in that RB12 to 24 range, that's what you're going to get. And it's just volume-based. So Montgomery, he'll be in my starting lineups, but I'm not loving it. If you saw the stat, there's a ridiculous one for Montgomery. He leads the league in missed tackles, right? About 29, I think, is the number. But he also, his offensive line is the worst in terms of how many yards before contact, right, that they're allowing him. So he's in an impossible situation that he's doing remarkably well in. But I hear you. He's never going to be an exciting start. Yeah, the the debate on Montgomery going into this fantasy football season that I had with a lot of people was that Montgomery's always been an elite tackle breaker. He led the – he led the NCAA in uh, tackles broken uh, for the last two years in college. Uh, I believe it was his senior and junior year. And, I mean, that's pretty that's, – that's a lot of running backs that can, in college football. It's not just 32 running backs, basically. I mean, he has always been a great tackle breaker. The issue, though, is that he puts himself in position to break these tackles because he's not very elusive. And there's a difference between breaking the tackles and being elusive. He's not very quick. Uh, I would argue border. He's, he's actually slow for a starting NFL running back. I wouldn't race him personally, but uh, for a starting NFL running back, he's pretty unathletic. He's just very strong and he has really good balance. And I think sometimes those tackle breaking stats are a little misleading because yes, he is breaking a lot of tackles and he broke a lot against the saints. Uh, however, He's also put, he's putting himself in position to break these tackles. Obviously, the offensive line doesn't help, and he had that issue last year. He's had that issue his whole career where if he was put on the Chiefs, you could make the argument he would be just as good, if not better, than Clyde edwards helaire has been this season. Uh, but he's not on the Chiefs, and he's on the Bears. And I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag on whether I think Montgomery's really a good talent who's just in a crappy situation or whether he's kind of – a little bit is doing himself because maybe if the Chiefs, I mean, maybe if the Bears had a more electric running back, maybe they wouldn't be put in the position to break that many tackles. But I am starting him this week. I have Montgomery in only one league, and he's been, I, I don't think I've benched him yet this year. And it's just been every week, like, you know, 10 to 12 PPR points. You're like, okay, I, I'm cool with that. Yeah, so let's move on to the – Well, let's look, if you look to the yeah. air, Nick, here's what I'd say. I think you're starting Allen Robinson for sure, and you should expect yeah. good things with our secondary. Uh, we just talked about Montgomery. You're starting Henry. You're starting A.J. Brown. You're probably starting John U. Smith if he's on your team as a top-10 option. Here's, what, here's two wide receivers, though, right, that if you're looking lower on your bench or if you're in a deeper league and you got to think about these guys, Darnell Mooney and Corey Davis, right? If you look at those two guys – Mooney, our two-lane guy right here from New Orleans, over the last two weeks, over 80% of the snaps, averaging seven targets. He scored in one of those. He was fantasy relevant in both. Corey Davis, last two weeks, about 80% of snaps. He has 10 targets in back-to-back games and a touchdown in back-to-back games. Corey Davis and Mooney, Nick, do you see either of those guys as viable starters or someone to count on this? I actually think Corey Davis is an every week start. I think Corey Davis is in the midst of a breakout season that is not getting any respect from any of the analysts. And I think part of that is because I believe he missed the game uh, due to COVID and I, he's had a quietly great season. Uh, he's putting up awesome numbers. I, the one league I have Corey Davis in, I wish it was more because he was in free agency in a lot of my leagues. I mean, I'm starting him almost every single week 
And even this week against the Bears, I don't love – obviously, I don't love the matchup. The Bears are not a great matchup from a fantasy perspective. I'm starting him over Mooney, though. But I do think Mooney is worth being rostered on 12-team leagues. I think he's being worth rostered. I'm not starting him. I actually did start him last week in my highest stakes league, which I was pumped about. Uh, But I started him only because I thought Allen Robinson was missing the game. Obviously, he – I knew at that point – he was going to play, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to take him out. I'm just going to leave him in there. And he ended up panning out, but I'm not starting Mooney this week in that league. Johnny Smith is who I want to talk about here because you're right. You're starting Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown's having a really good year. So is Derrick Henry. Johnny Smith, I'm, 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 I'm kind of fading on him here. His numbers have been decreasing, and I don't really see him as a top 10 tight end option anymore. He may have that in per game, but – but, but, listen, but listen here, I mean, Kelsey, Waller, Gronk, uh, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, uh, Hunter Henry-ish, Jared Cook, Hayden Hurst. I would start Evan Ingram over Johnny Smith this week. I would start Eric Ebron against Dallas over Johnny Smith. And I would also start Logan Thomas. I know he's only seeing four targets a game, but Logan Thomas with Kyle Allen, I would start him over Johnny Smith. So to me, Johnny Smith is more of a back end of the borderline of a top 12 tight end. Uh, do you like his matchup this week or no? I think that's the tight end landscape, right? Honestly, yeah. I think it's Kelsey and maybe a few of those guys, like I look at Waller perhaps, um, and then everybody else. So I, I, I think you're right. Smith has not distanced himself from these other options in a way where it's a no-brainer. I think, I think it's that injury that he had. I, ever since the injury, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's, well, A.J. Brown missed that time. But he did it in week one, too, when A.J. Brown was there. So it, to me, it seems more of like, you know, he had that injury, the ankle injury. I just think that's maybe kind of slowing him down, even though he's out on the report. Last bit here, Ryan Tannehill, because a lot of people are going to wonder, should I be starting Ryan Tannehill? The Bears have allowed one top 12 quarterback finish uh, since week 11 of 2018. 2018. Uh, and that one quarterback who had a top 12 finish against him was Pat Mahomes. And, and I'm curious what you think about Ryan Tannehill. I know you primarily play in 10-team leagues, but let's take, take a 12-team league perspective here. Are you starting Tannehill this week, or are you kind of just fading him because of the matchup? I'm fading him, right, even okay. as a tight span. I don't expect this to be his blow-up game. We just saw one of his worst performances. Now, look, in his defense, he's come into a place where he knows he wants to bounce back. The narrative around Nashville is nothing but disrespect, right? And this is a, oh, the Titans are who we thought they were, right, around the league. So I can count on a uh, a motivated uh, experience from Tannehill, right? I can see him being fired up. I can see him diving across the goal line to get a run, you know, like he does from time to time. But look, I think I'm going to go for a better matchup. I look around the league, I'm like – you know, I know some of these guys are now going to be owned, but like a Cam Newton or a Justin Herbert, right? Some of those guys are rising. But like, again, I don't think Tannehill's distancing himself. I can see you starting him in a 12-team league. I'd just look long and hard at some other options. Big Ben versus Dallas or Tannehill here. Big Ben. Yeah, I would take Big Ben. I would take Matt Ryan, and I would take Cam Newton as well. I'm borderline on Derek Carr, but I'd probably start Carr over Tannehill. But I'm, I have Tannehill at quarterback 13 this week, and I'm going to go ahead and call my shot here. I think Tannehill is going to break this streak. I think he's going to sneak in as a top 12 option. Now, am I starting him over the guys I just mentioned? I'm not. So I'm not that confident. But I, I, Tannehill just seems like the guy who's just disrespected. Everyone's kind of riding him off this week. Drew Brees almost did it last week. And Brees, you know, he's been hit or miss for fantasy this year. I think the Bears are going to sell out. Roquan Smith, who had an amazing game against the Saints. I think they're going to sell out to stop Henry. And I think the Titans, if they win this game, it's going to have to be on Tannehill. He's got a little bit of a rushing floor if he starts to rush more. I don't know. I I kind of see Tannehill having a a borderline top 12 game here. But I brought it up because, again, all those quarterbacks I just mentioned, I probably would start over Tannehill. But I think he's right on the borderline. The one league I have Tannehill in, I am starting him, but it's a super flex, so I kind of have to. I have no choice. Let's get to the next game here, though. The Raiders, four and three at the Los Angeles Chargers, two and five. This game is a pick 'em, Wade. Um, Justin Herbert, uh, top five quarterback in points per game. Uh, I don't, I mean, we can, we can give, sing his praises all we want. I think you have to start him if you have Justin Herbert there. Keenan Allen, same thing there. The, the Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, that's kind of a difficult situation there. I want to hear, hear your take here on would you rather start Mike Williams or any Raiders receiver? So Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, 
Who are you thinking here? That, that's a tough call for me. I've been such a fan of rugs, right? And I just, I believe in the talent. I believe in the high uh, value targets that he gets, right? If you watched last week, he was a centimeter away from a touchdown early in that game that would have made his fancy day so much more relevant. But look, the volume isn't there. I think we've all seen that. He's going to get two to three, maybe four targets. It's a McColl Hardman situation. However, Ruggs is not competing for the target share that McColl is. So it's kind of interesting that he, they haven't utilized him more in a better way. I think if you're taking Ruggs, it's more of a roulette spin, right? Because I think we all understand he could have two touchdowns and 143 yards, but he could just as easily have three targets and, and one catch for 17. Uh, so give me Mike Williams. You know, I think Justin Herbert is a auto start right now. I think I disrespected him earlier when I was talking about him and Tannehill. You're starting Herbert the way he's played, right? Uh, baby Mahomes in a lot of ways, or at least that's how my league's been describing him. So I love the Mike Williams. I think he's got the same upside as Ruggs, and I think he gets a better target volume, and he's got a better red zone opportunity. So I'd be on the Mike Williams side. So Mike Williams, obviously good matchup too against the Raiders here. Both matchups are pretty good, but the Raiders are even weaker against the pass. Uh, Mike Williams, two out of three in the last three weeks, right? He's had two great weeks, one against the Saints, one uh, last week against the Broncos, and then one total dud actually against the Jaguars of all teams. Uh, so Mike Williams, he's going to be inconsistent. Like you said, Henry Ruggs has had one blow-up week all year. So – I my gut is actually telling me this is going to be a Henry Ruggs week, so I'm actually I'm actually playing Ruggs here over Mike Williams in one league, and that's one of the reasons I bring it up. But I do think on paper Mike Williams has the better matchup here. It's a tough call, and this kind of speaks to going into the year. One of the things I got wrong this year was fading Darren Waller, and I thought that my logic of fading Darren Waller was because the Raiders are going to have a lot more mouths to Henry Ruggs. Brian Edwards was supposed to be healthy. He's not. Um, Nelson Aguilar, they signed Jason Witten. They have Foster Moreau. At, that's two other tight ends right there. They also signed Zay Jones. There was a lot of mouths to be, and I just didn't know if Derek Carr could support those mouths, obviously with J Josh Jacobs increasing in the passing game as well. And unfortunately for me, Darren Waller has not been the person who has been um, who has been – uh, hurt by this it's actually been Henry Ruggs right I mean Henry Ruggs should be getting a lot more targets than he is but the Raiders are just really spreading it out including to fellow deep threat Nelson Nelson Aguilar who probably should be rostered in 12 team leagues I think a lot of people he had two good weeks in a row and then last week of course he had the windy you know ridiculous weather game where of course you're not gonna be throwing deep there uh, I'm rolling with Nelson Aguilar. I have a triple flex 14 team league. So I have to roll with Nelson Aguilar. I don't really have a choice. Uh, he, he's like my best option, but uh, I'm rolling with him this week in one league. And I think we'll give him one more shot. I think Derek Carr is showing himself to be so game plan dependent, right? So many mouths to feed, like you said, it seems like he feeds one mouth a game, right? There's somebody who every week, one of those options is going to be fantasy relevant, right? Ruggs had the week against the Chiefs. Waller had the week early in the season against uh, the Saints, right? Wasn't it? And then uh, Zay Jones even had a week when he was red zone. Aguilar had the week two weeks back. So it's, it's, if you can understand the Raiders game plan for this one, right? Which I would think is ride Josh Jacobs and attack underneath, um, and, and perhaps some deep shots. I think you can guess which one of those mouths it's going to be, but I don't think it's, we see a game where Waller and Ruggs and Aguilar right. all become fantasy relevant. I don't yeah. think Carr can do that. And Carr has been good this year. He's been better than I thought he was. The weapons are helping him. The offensive line is helping. Uh, the Raiders have been pretty good. I mean, they're four and three. I forgot to even mention Hunter Renfro. That was another player that uh, I was a little nervous of with in terms of the splits with and without Darren Waller last year and it could be his week this week you just never really know with the Raiders but one thing that all of those when a when a quarterback has all of those weapons you're know, like gosh there's so many mouths to feed I just don't know who's going to get what piece of the pie that usually tells me one thing well you should really like the quarterback right yeah. because that means yeah. they have a lot of and Derek Carr has been a solid option this week when he's played we're skip we're you shouldn't have been starting him last week in that weather filled storm ridiculous situation where it was hailing sleeting all the weather elements at once but Carr, other than that game has been a really dependable fantasy option that's why i probably would start him over uh Tannehill this week uh yeah car has been pretty impressive is anything else in this game i think hunter henry is just kind of borderline tight end oh running backs for the chargers jackson yeah he's you probably my favorite there right i think yeah. you can cut joshua kelly 
Um, yeah, Jackson, Tremaine Pope had a, was a spark last week, but I don't know. How good is this offense going to be when Eckler comes back? Yeah, thoughts and prayers for Eckler. We need him back in the lineup because, one, those jerseys look so much better when they're moving the ball. And given Herbert's development, I think we all want to see that, and, and that's what the good of fancy needs. So, agree. <laughs> yeah, and, and Josh Jacobs, he's been a little bit disappointing this year, but, but last week over 100 yards, actually over 120 yards. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Josh Jacobs every week start as usual. The Steelers, I will say this about Jacobs, he has had a really tough schedule. Jacobs has played, you know, he's had to play a couple of teams like the Saints and the Bucks that are just, you know, stone cold against the run. And, you know, that's kind of hurt his numbers. But anyway, this is a pretty good matchup here. I'm firing up Jacobs. Obviously, the Steelers, 7-0 and at Dallas Cowboys, 2-6. and The Steelers are favored by 14 points in this game. Obviously, this looks like a game where you really – where the Steelers defense looks like one of the best starts of the week in all of fantasy football. Uh, here's my question. Um, Wade, do you think that Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CD lamb, I'm getting a lot of questions from my listeners. Are, are they droppable? Can we drop them at this point? Would you go that far in a 12 team league or no? I'm not dropping Amari Cooper. And look, I know he's getting top coverage, right? And they're rolling his way. Uh, Danucci could not find him at all. He said peppered Gallup, as you saw from his behind the line targets. But I think you got to wait on Dalton to return uh, to really evaluate some of those top options. So Amari, I think, stays on your team, although I would bench him this week for sure. Yeah. But I'm not dropping Amari. I do think Gallup is droppable. I have dropped him in my league. Um, I think the Nooch targeting him and all these screens and these whatever is like he gave him 10 targets or something ridiculous. I think that's a flash in the pan. Even then, Gallup couldn't have an awesome day or a big enough day to say, man, there's really a future here. Uh, and Lamb, I'm also willing to wait on uh, for Dalton. So I'd leave or I'd drop Gallup to the waivers. Um, I'm going to wait and see on Lamb. And I, I think Cooper's staying on my team. I'll ride that wave out to the end. That's what it has looked like in my leagues, where Gallup is in free agency in a couple of my leagues, and the other two have been held on tight. It's just unfortunate. That's what happens when you lose your star quarterback. Let's get to the Dallas running game here. Out of every question or every topic of conversation that I've gotten from my listeners, obviously with the podcast hiatus, the, the text messages and the, and the Facebook messages that I'm getting most is what do I do with Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, do I trade him? I've gotten this X offer for Zeke Elliott. Uh, do I trade for him? Uh, and do I start him this week against the Steelers? That kind of stuff. I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a soapbox here with Ezekiel Elliott. So give me one minute here, Wade. Uh, Zeke Elliott, he popped up with a hamstring injury. He's limited the last two days. And it, it wouldn't stun me if he misses this game with the bye coming up. And I know Zeke Elliott's been, you know, so durable. He never misses games. But let me, let me tell you where I am on Zeke, okay? I have Zeke on two of my teams. Obviously, invested very highly in him. The main takeaway that I want listeners to take away from this podcast right here is that you need to make sure that Tony Pollard is scooped up in all of your leagues. I don't care if it's a 10-team league. I don't care if it's an 18 league. Tony Pollard needs to be on your bench. The reason is because the Dallas Cowboys could start the tankathon very soon. And if Ezekiel Elliott already has a little hamstring tweak, I'm not saying he's going to miss this week. I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but if he already has a little hamstring tweak, they could shut it down like NBA style. They really could. And Ezekiel Elliott may get shut down in right, not anytime soon, but when the fantasy playoffs come around, Last two or three weeks, you're going to want Tony Pollard on your roster because Zeke has shutdown potential that nobody, no experts are talking about that right now. But Dallas is, they're just horrible. I mean, Dallas, if they lose a couple more games, I know they're in the division right now, but they're going to lose against Pittsburgh. And then they're going to have a bye week. If Dalton comes out and flames out, Dallas is going to start tanking. Zeke, I'm selling low. I, I'm selling. I know you're not supposed to do that in fantasy football, but I am, I am selling low. I've already dealt Zeke on both teams that I have, and that's because I'm looking for low prices. Somebody sent me an offer of Daryl Henderson and Robert Woods. I said no. I countered with Daryl Henderson and Nick Chubb, and they accepted, and I was thrilled. I, I can't believe I got Nick Chubb for Zeke. That was all. That was that was a week or two ago, though, before the Danucci experience. But but and then this week after the post Danucci experience. Uh, this week I sent an offer out for Allen Robinson. The guy said, he'll think about it. If you can get Zeke for Allen Robinson, I would do it in a heartbeat. I sent an offer for Adam Thielen. I sent an offer for Justin Jefferson. They both, they both got rejected. Chris Carson got rejected. So, uh, another offer was Tyler Boyd and Antonio Brown for Zeke that I would have accepted 
Uh, and the guy was like on the fence about it. He couldn't tell. And, but then I sent an offer for Stefan Diggs and it got accepted immediately. So Zeke, if you can deal Zeke for one of these receivers, I think the chances of Zeke rebounding and showing his all pro form very slim. And I will say this, even with Dak Prescott, Zeke didn't look like himself. He's been kind of a plotter this year. I know he's putting up the points, but that was all on these receptions. Zeke has not been very good this year, even when he has been healthy, even when he was with Dak. Their offensive line is hurt. I know they got Zach Martin back, but you know, the tackles are gone. I think Tony Pollard has been better than Zeke this year. And it just wouldn't surprise me if they shut him down. Tony Pollard is the lottery ticket you want. And he is on every single one of my teams this year. You might have to be patient, but it could happen as early as this week. Fantasy playoff schedule for the Cowboys at Cincinnati, at home against San Francisco, at home against Philly. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's a smash spot. You could ask for better, right, in 15 and 16, but at home against the Niners, who continue to fall apart, and who knows what that roster looks like. And then at home, you know, I don't think the Cowboys need much more motivation in week 16 if them beating the Eagles might keep the Eagles out of the playoffs or what have you. Right. So you could look in worse situations. I agree with you. Pollard is a league winner in some situations if he were to get the full lion's share of opportunity. He's already trickling in way more with the Zeke fumble issues. That kind of started this whole mess, uh, his fumbling issues. Pollard's already trickled in more into playing time. And two of those defenses you just mentioned, if this were to happen, if I do get this call right, uh, the Niners and the Eagles, they are good against the run, but they are weak against allowing running back receptions. Pollard would be matchup proof if Zeke were sitting. It wouldn't even matter because he's going to get so many targets in the passing game. But yeah, uh, staff Stringy Pollard, we're going to fly through the Steelers real quick because I think all of these Steelers, Big Ben, Juju is coming on a little. Deontay Johnson, if he's healthy, I think you got to start him. Uh, Chase Claypool, he's hit or miss, obviously, but you're starting him if you're on the fence there because just the matchup is just so amazing. Eric Ebron is playing more and more lately, and obviously this potential smash spot, which I'm hoping for, is James Conner. Yes. Uh, hopefully he can get one or two goal line touchdowns because that seems to be the only place that he scores at is inside the five yard line. And I'm okay with that because um, the Steelers should have a chance to do that. Uh, Dolphins Cardinals four and three Dolphins at five and two Cardinals. The, the Cardinals are favored by 4.5 in this game. Dolphins are on a three game win streak to a kind of a game manager in his first start here. Um, do you have any real hope for these Dolphins skill players, Wade? Well, I was going to say, we might talk about this game a little bit later in the segment, right? Um, I, I oh, do okay. have hope for some of the skill players. Obviously, we got no gasket this week. Um, I, I, I was interested in Tua after seeing that start last week. Obviously, he was carried by everybody on the supporting cast, right? They had a special teams touchdown against L.A. They had a defensive touchdown against L.A. Uh, Tua posted, what, the lowest QBR of a, a rookie starter since Jared Goff made his debut into the league. So Tua did not impress, even if he game managed at a high level. Um, I, I still am very interested in Gesicki, and I'm very interested in Parker, right? Parker at least had a touchdown last week, so he got the red zone look from Tua. I still believe in Gesicki's athleticism, and I believe in a, a young quarterback looking to a tight end when he gets into trouble. I, I'm not starting them with full confidence this week. I'm not starting some... them at all this yeah. week. So, uh, I know Arizona could be a potentially tasty matchup, but I'm going to have to see Tua actually throw for over you know, 200 yards to where he can support one of these guys before I'm actually throwing them in my starting lineups. Uh, where were you finishing up? I think you'll like the lock of this week. Right? Oh, okay. We yeah, we uh, a little foreshadowing for Wade Longmire's locks of the week coming now, up shortly. Chase Edmonds, right? This is a smash right. spot for him. This is going to be a fun game to see what he can really do. Chase Edmonds, I think he's a top eight running back play this week. Uh, I, I was looking at the matchups here. Uh, I'm going to name the running backs I would probably start over Chase Edmonds. It's a very short list. Alvin Cook, Derek Henry. Alvin Kamara, I'm actually a little iffy on whether I would start Kamara over, just because Kamara's matchup, and we'll get to that next. But James Conner, James Robinson, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Josh Jacobs. After that, I'd probably start Chase Edmonds over every other running back in, in the league. So he's going to be, he should be in starting lineups here. This is his shot. And Kenyon Drake could come back in a, Probably not this week, but maybe the week after that or maybe three weeks. But this is Edmund's shot. Um, he is a Tony Pollard, right? I've been advocating on this podcast. There's three guys you want to be making sure you hold, and that's Madison. He didn't pan out that well in that one start, but you still need to be holding Madison, by the way. Make sure he's still on roster. Uh, Madison, Tony Pollard, and Chase Edmonds. This is Edmonds' shot at being the lottery ticket here. Uh, Christian Kirk, 
has put up good numbers lately. A lot of it's touchdown dependent. But I think um, I'm going to roll with the hot hand here. I'm going to uh, keep Kirk in starting lineups, at least as a flex option there. Obviously, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins are going to be starting there. They've been lead winners. The last news cycle here too, right? I don't know if you saw the report this morning, but it's already coming out from Dolphins camp that the Dolphins, they are evaluating Tua, right, as you know, and they are not opposed to moving on from him. If they analyze, right, that his hip can't hold up or they don't seem to have the quarterback of the future, because as we all know, they have tons of draft capital coming up. Uh, with the Texans finish, they could be in line to have a shot at, uh, you know, uh, Herbert or, or one of the young guns coming out. I can't believe that news is You mean public. Trevor Lawrence, not Herbert. Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Herbert, I'm already thinking baby Mahomes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. But I can't believe that news is public one week into Tua's starting career. I feel I, bad. I don't, for- I don't believe it. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't buy – I know it was Schefter that reported it, and he's yeah. reliable, obviously, but I, I, don't, I don't believe it. I, I think it's a little – I don't think we're going to see a uh, Josh Rosen situation here uh, with the Dolphins. I know they could potentially package those picks, get Lawrence or Justin Fields, whoever it may be. I, I don't see it. I think Tua is their quarterback of the future. I think they like him too much. I don't know why the report's out. I don't know if it's totally false. Maybe it's a motivation thing. I just don't buy it. it it's seems usually to me maybe... warm weather. It's usually warm weather in Miami, but that was some cold news coming out this yeah, morning. That was. Yeah, it, plays. <laughs> it seems to me like maybe one person higher up maybe thinks that in Miami, and that may have been who Schefter's referring to. But I don't think the team as a whole is doing that. But, hey, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Sunday Night Football, Wade, Saints, Five and two at Tampa Bay, six and two. Get Bucks your popcorn. Yeah, Bucks are favored by 4.5. Antonio Brown. Uh, it has been reported by Bruce Arians that he's going to play between 10 and 35 snaps. Uh, I don't buy that. I think he's going to play at least 30 snaps in this game. And I am starting him in the one league that uh, – actually, I have him in a couple of leagues. I'm starting him in the two leagues that I have – Antonio Brown in how do you think that this affects this is seems like it's going to be one of those Raiders situation where we're not really going to know which one of these guys out of Chris Goblin Mike Evans Rob Gronkowski now is coming in strong we're not going to really know who to start on a week-to-week basis with Antonio Brown here it's going to be a situation where you just start all of them and hope that Tom Brady supports two of them right I think there's a bubble, right, on especially Godwin. I am, I'm nervous if I'm holding Godwin. I'm doing it in one of my leagues. But obviously, he's had an up-and-down year already. Uh, there was a report, right, that he had some kind of cast on his hand in practice this week. We know that Brady has been personally campaigning for A.B. at not only Tampa, but at New England as well. I totally buy the narrative that A.B. is going to come in and become uh, the number one target for Brady on the outside. I think Evans I buy that, still- too. I'm I think Evans there. is fun because he's still got the red zone effect. We've seen Evans, you know, have the two targets, two touchdown and two yard games. So he's still fun. And I still put him in my lineup in, in DFS too. I think he's a smash play a lot of weeks. I'm worried about Godwin and I believe in the AB train coming out. Mike Evans is really interesting because he is a bona fide number one receiver. Nobody's disputing that. Uh, the issue is that Tom Brady is not Jameis Winston. This is one of the reasons I was fading these Bucks receivers, not because I predicted Antonio Brown would come in, but, but because Brady is not just throwing him these Hail Mary balls and these 50-50 jump balls that Evans is so good at. That is, the, that is what Evans does. And Brady's making sure that he's open before he throws Evans these balls. And to me, when you have Chris Godwin, you have Antonio Brown, if, if Evans isn't open – Brady's not going to force it to him. So Evans is going to become even more inconsistent, I think, than he is. He's get, he gets Lattimore this week, who's had a really rough year. I mean, Lattimore has been terrible this year, honestly. But I will say this about Lattimore. He has always owned Mike Evans. So I, I, you're cautious about Chris Godwin. Evans would be the last on my list if I were ranking the three this week. I would put Godwin at actually number one this week. I don't think he's going to bust out for 100 yards and a touch. But I think 70 in the touch is possible. I would put Godwin number one in terms of my confidence here. Brown number two and Evans number three just for this week. Going forward, it's anyone's game, honestly. Rob Gronkowski, so interesting here because – and by the way, you're starting Tom Brady. You got to be against the Saints here. Uh, They're going to need score points to win. The Saints' pass defense has been pretty brutal. They lost Sheldon Rankins. Um, But that's another reason I like Godwin this week because the Saints just cannot cover the slot here. But, But Rob Gronkowski. 
I am toying. I have Rob Gronkowski in one league, and I know a lot of listeners may be thinking, how do you have Rob Gronkowski with all of the crap that you gave Gronkowski this offseason? He was on your do not draft list. I'll tell you how. Uh, he got cut, and I saw him have one good week by another team, and I just picked him up uh, for uh, my tight ends bye week, and then he's been pretty good. And I think that Gronkowski is having a little bit of a fluky season here because he, did, he was no good at all until O.J. Howard obviously got hurt. Had O.J. Howard not gotten hurt, I think that we would still be seeing a rotation here. But, hey, give Gronk his credit. He's looked a little more um, active lately, not you know, on his last legs, I guess. Uh, my issue, my question to you, Wade, this is one of the ones I have in a, in a PPR league here, Rob Gronkowski or Mark Andrews? That's a yeah. tough one. Andrews has the best matchup against the Colts. We all know where the ceiling is typically with Andrews yes. on a week to basis. I love Gronk's matchup this week, right? And especially right. riding the top hand, so to speak. He's only going to get four or five targets, but we know he's going to get a red zone look. He, he busted on the seam a few plays last week. The Ravens are struggling, right? Uh, especially on the offensive side. Colts have a standard, I mean, a pretty good defense, uh, and they're playing at home. I'll take Gronk this week. I'll ride the lightning. I did it as well last week, uh, Gronk over Andrews uh, in that same league. Andrews obviously was playing Pittsburgh last week, but the Colts have been just as stingy against tight ends. So, um, but yeah, I'm going with Gronk. I know Antonio Brown might throw a wrench into that, but we will see about that. Uh, Saints side. Uh, all right, actually, excuse me, Rojo versus Fournette. I'm honestly not playing either of them this week. I don't have them on any of my teams, but if I did, I'm not playing either. And the Saints run defense is just so good. I know they lost Rankins, but I just can't imagine playing either of them with any confidence. And that split has been painful to watch, right? Especially against the Giants game last week. Neither of them are getting, you know, well, I guess Fournette is technically getting the higher snap percentage right now, but neither of them are getting enough touches, enough high value touches where you're going to feel good about it. Um, I would, I would, can believe that one of them, you know, gets a touchdown this uh, week or on Sunday night, but I don't feel good about either. Bruce Arians is such a, he's, you know, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of the rap for being a hot hand guy. Bruce Arians, I want to call him a cold hand guy because what he does is, we can make this new term. What he does is he waits for one of his running backs to make a mistake. And once they do, whether it's like a pass protection mistake or a fumble or whatever it is, they miss a hole, then whoever is his backup is going to play the rest of the game. And that's what we saw last week. Like he just waits for whoever he starts to make a mistake and even if it's Fournette, he's going to play Rojo the rest of the game. It's just, it's just one of those things. Who's going to make the mistake and just get on Bruce Arians' dark side here, our doghouse, in-game doghouse. So, I don't know. I think he starts fresh each game with an open mind, and then one little thing just makes his face get all red like it does. And, you know, they're out for the rest of the game. Uh, Drew Brees, I'm not starting him this week in fantasy, even though he gets Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back. Um, I hate to say this. Uh, I am on the Bucks side of this game. I think not only do I think that the Bucks are going to win, which is already a lot of my listeners are hating me right now. I think the Bucks are going to cover as well. And that's a lofty spread for a, which should be a close game in theory, 4.5 points. I actually think the Bucks are going to cover this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Bucks are going to win by at least, I'll say at least six points in this game. All right. Lock of the week. I'm taking Saints with the points. Okay. Right? So, well, know, here we you go. We got to automatically. Right give me the Saints. Give me the Michael Thomas return game. Yeah. I, I like Sanders the better team to show up in this equation, especially I know the Bucks looked sleepy last week. I'm sure they were looking ahead to this matchup. I expect points, but I'm on the black and gold, man. Give me the Saints with the points. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I see the argument. It's a decent argument to make uh, with the Saints getting their full – firepower back. Michael Thomas and Manny Sanders just make such a big deal with this offense. And you also have Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara there. I just think that the Bucks are going, this is going to be their Super Bowl right here. I think they were, obviously Tom Brady was pissed off after week one and the Bucks are, they're not that hot, but I think they were looking into this matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if they spent more time watching the Saints film against the Giants. And that's why the Giants almost upset them. So anyway, I'm, I'm taking the Bucks in this matchup. As far as Saints fantasy goes, I am starting Michael Thomas where I do have him. I know it's not a great matchup, but uh, I think if you have Michael Thomas, you've been waiting all this time. Same for Christian McCaffrey, by the way. Yep. I, I'm starting Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey where I have him. I think Thomas will play in this game. Uh, Sean Payton heavily alluded to getting both his receivers back in a press conference. Uh, Jared Cook, I was leaning towards benching him, Wade, until I read Evan Silva, the GOAT here. He had a great stat here. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Cook 
<laughs> he doesn't seem like this, but he remains one of fantasy football's most consistent tight ends with 70-plus yards and or a touchdown in 14 of his last 16 games. That That's is awesome. crazy, for, especially considering the state of tight ends right now. So, yeah, I guess Cook is a must-start. Uh, and I just didn't realize how good of a year he was having, but it makes sense with all the injuries elsewhere. Kamara, I mean, he's not going to get it done on the ground against this Bucks defense. Go look up week one. Go look up any game against the Bucks defense this year for running backs. It's going to be all through the air. So he's obviously a much better PPR play than he is non-PPR play, but you are starting him, of course. Uh, lastly, uh, actually, any more comments on that game, Wade? I'd just say Jared Cook has been one of my most favorite first touchdown scorer of the games. Oh, bet, that's prop uh, bets, yeah. the year. It's hit something like 50% of the time. Like every time they get down to the red zone, Cook gets a look on that first drive. And so that's, I throw it out there is I've had tons of fun betting the Jared Cook first across the goal line. I'm a little surprised the Saints actually haven't been targeting Cook more during this uh, Michael Thomas absence and Manuel Sanders last two or three games. Uh, Cook's been really good this year. I mean, he's yeah. been making plays when he's called upon. But it's just, you know, rarely caught a point. It's weird that he's only getting four or five targets a game to me. Uh, now it would make more sense that he does. But before, it hasn't really made much sense. Um, Monday Night Football, Patriots 2-5 and five at the Jets. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this game. Uh, honestly, the way I would sum up this game here, Wade, and we'll see if you disagree, I think there are three starts in this game. Cam Newton, Damian Harris, and Patriots defense. And that's it. I'm not going with anybody on the Jets side of the ball. And I'm not – because Jamison Crowder is iffy for this game. Rashad Perryman's right. iffy for this game. Even if they were playing, Darnold doesn't look like the same quarterback that he was when, at the beginning of the year, he was peppering uh, Jamison Crowder. And Crowder was very useful in fantasy football, arguably even great in fantasy football, for, in PPR leagues at least. I don't think this is the same Darnold. Like, it, let's say you could guarantee me that Crowder is going to be 100% healthy. I still don't know if I would start Crowder here because I, I think Darnold has just regressed. And to me, he needs a change of scenery. And we can talk about that change of scenery for a little bit if you want, because it looks like the Jets are going to be, I mean, they're 0-8 now. They're obviously in the running for, not they're the lead favorite for Trevor Lawrence. To me, the Jets look like they are 0-16 possible, right? Like we, they literally could be the, what is it? The second 0-16 team in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, I believe. So, or maybe not 20, 30. I think the Browns did it once and the Lions did it in the last like 20 years. But either way, what do you think? I want to get your take real quickly. Do you think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jet next year? Do you think they're going to get rid of Darnold or ship him out or what? Or do you think that they are going to use that uh, to build a supporting cast around Darnold? Well, one, I think you're getting a leadership change, right? And I don't think that anybody's seeing that. I don't know how Gase can survive another week, let alone. Oh, he's not. I think they're actually keeping him there to go 0-16. I really do. So you get rid of uh, Gase, right? And who do you hire? If you hire an offensive mind, and like Arthur Smith of the Titans is a candidate people are talking about, being enemy at the Chiefs, right? I was just about to say him. Good, good minds, yeah. That offensive coach is going to come in and say, I need my guy. Right. At least that's what happens. And look at Cliff Kingsbury. I see the exact same situation coming in here. I, it's nothing against Arnold. I'm sure you'd see traits in there. But if you know, it's, it's damaged goods at this point. He's regressed. He's seeing ghosts out there. To me, if I'm a new coach coming in, let's start new. Right. Take your shot on if it's Trevor Lawrence or Fields or whoever you end up evaluating as the top guy. Take that and build your team with the weapon because you don't get that chance many times in the NFL. Yeah. Right. To take over a club and pick your guy. This is the week that Sam, this is the team that Sam Darnold saw ghosts against. So yeah. it is relevant. This is the Patriots here. And uh, Darnold, he's still on like two or three of my teams as my third quarterback in Superflex leagues. I just can't drop him because there's literally no free agents in free agency. But uh, that's, you know, two quarterback league problems. But anyway, Sam Darnold, I'll say this. What about the Saints as like a future? If the Saints can get him for cheap as like a future to Drew Brees successor, they, he can battle out uh, Jameis Winston. I feel like if Sam Darnold was with Sean Payton, this would be going a lot differently. I'll say that than it is with Adam Gase. And last point uh, on this, before we get your locks of the week, um, Joe Brady is another coach I wanted to mention. You mentioned, oh, Andy, yeah. you mentioned Arthur Smith, two great options there. But the only reason I don't think Joe Brady's going to end up with the Jets is because I'm calling my shot here. Head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals next year will be Joe Brady. He will reunite with Joe Burrow there in Cincinnati. And so I, I think he's going to take over Zach Taylor next year. And that's going to be awesome. 
Uh, I'm just so excited about the future for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow uh, from a real life perspective and fantasy. But Wade, let's get, uh, by the way, I am starting Cam Newton. I am starting Damian Harris where I have him. And I'm obviously starting the Patriots defense uh, for this game, but that kind of sums up the Patriots and Jets game. Wade, let's get your Longmire locks of the week. Hey, we've already talked about Saints with the points, so I won't dive into that one again. I think I'm officially fading Tua in his second start. as probably with the Cardinals coming off of a bye and being at home. So give me Cardinals to cover the 4.5 in the Dome in Phoenix. And then lastly, listen, I think this game is interesting. I just think the spread's too low. Ravens minus two at Indianapolis is what I'm taking. You know, I think the Ravens are coming off a letdown from the Steelers. Uh, assuming that they don't let the Steelers beat them twice, like the Titans did earlier in the year, I think they have the firepower to expose Indy. Indy's looking good after a smash in Detroit. Uh, but I, and especially being in the same division as them, I, I don't give them the respect to keep this game within three. So give me the Ravens to, to cover the two points on the road. Those are the three. Any reactions there? My one reaction is that the Ravens, they have a lot of COVID issues right now. We don't know if a lot of their def- defense is going to be active for this game. I know Patrick Queen's among them. Marlon Humphrey is, I think, already been ruled out. That's my one issue, but I do like the Ravens in that game. And, and yeah, I like the Cardinals as well in this game. Yeah, I agree with all of your locks, of course, except for I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against my own team here. I'm gonna take the Bucks in that game, but we will see. Wade, thanks so much for having you on. Appreciate everything. Always a pleasure, Nick. Good luck to you, and good luck to your listeners. All right, that'll conclude today's episode. Thank you so much to the special guest, Wade Longmire, for coming on, giving his locks. If you enjoyed today's show, please do me a solid. Hit the subscribe button and give a positive rating or review. Would really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.